30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the House. Nine o'clock is our open line hour. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. You can text questions to four one one nine two three. You can send a picture to info at rosieonthehouse.com if you need help uh, describing or explaining the project you're working around in your home, castle, or cabin. You can send it there. Info. At rosieonthehouse.com. Those are the ways we communicate during the broadcast. Email and phone line. You can reach us during normal business hours all week long. one 767 4348 But the text is during the broadcast only. That's 411-923. And we've got uh, callers lining up. But before we get to our callers, I have a little follow-up to get to first. A handful of broadcasts ago, sometime, I think it was December, November... A new homeowner to Arizona had moved in, needed a new air conditioning equipment, and their neighbor had referred them to call Rosie on the house and asked us about a proposal they had received from an air conditioning contractor. And they were trying to upsell them a UV light that goes in the equipment that the salesperson said, the reason we do this is to prevent copper from rusting. Now, I really think it was just an inexperienced salesperson that didn't realize the reason for the UV light in the equipment is for air purification and air quality control. And a lot of our partners do sell that UV light and say it is great for air purification. But it lead me to this thought of, well, copper doesn't rust. It corrodes. Why does copper corrode and metal rust? And I mentioned it on the air that, hey, if anybody has an answer for that, call us in. We want to know the difference between copper corroding, or I say we, I, my curious mind, wants to know the difference between copper corroding and metal rusting. And we had a listener who at the time uh, lived in Rio Rico. I understand recently moved to Sierra Vista, beautiful southern Arizona towns. Uh, Adrian Weaver, we've got him online. So, Adrian, first I have to ask, what stations are you listening to Rosie on the House in Southern Arizona? We've got a few great affiliates you can hear us on down there. I listen to you on KNST. KNST out of Tucson, uh, 790, and we've also got KGVY out of Green Valley. They've got an AM-FM simulcast. Well, thanks for tuning in that Saturday and give us a ring. What, uh, what in your background and experience makes you qualified to talk about metals? Well, I'm not an engineer or anything like that, and I, you know, maybe I'm not qualified, but I, I did do metal shop all through high school, and I did study met- metallurgy. I worked at, as a machinist. Um, I've done some welding, you know, not professionally on the welding part, but, but I did work professionally as a machinist and also as a casting operator for Honeywell. Okay. Well, that makes you a lot more qualified than myself, so that's good enough for today. <laughs> sure. So why does why does metal rust and copper corrode? What's what's even the difference? Well, corrosion um, and rust is a term that is uh, kind of the same thing when you're talking about iron. Uh, rusting is just a term for corrosion specific to iron and iron type of alloys. But most metals do corrode to some degree or another, except for gold. Gold is is non-reactive to most most chemicals and oxygen and things like that. Um, copper does corrode, and if you look at the Statue of Liberty, the reason that it has that kind of greenish color is because that's what copper looks like when it corrodes. So both caused by water 
in copper there's no iron so it's not rust rust is just what they call it when it's happening to iron is that iron and iron based materials yes all right so there you go now now we have an answer now if you have a air conditioning salesman at your home that's trying to sell you a uv light to keep the copper which is what we run all the refrigerant through that co- that cools or heats the air uh, it's called the coils that the UV light is to keep the copper from corroding. Now you can tell them, no, that's not true, <laughs> or not from rusting. That's not true because there's no iron and copper. And go back to air conditioning salesman school before you go to the next homeowner, you knucklehead. <laughs> Adrian, thanks for tuning in that Saturday's broadcast, reaching out to us, and joining us on air this Saturday. Hey, thanks for what you guys do. A lot of interesting stuff. And we've got calls lining up. Garth was moving into a brand new home and wants to know what to look for. Great question. It's an out-of-state area code. I think he's coming down from Colorado. Uh, they expect Arizona to have five, uh, five, by 2050, 5 million more people. So I think a lot of those are going to be the same people that are using water now because they're going to come over from California. Uh, That's a perspective. Yeah, uh, but there, there's going to be a lot of them coming down from Wisconsin, too, I think, and Minnesota after this. Uh, so we'll get to our calls next segment because we do want to cover water first. Mom was at a water conference yesterday. So the annual Water Resources Research Center had their annual conference. Uh, the irony of it is that they had planned it for yesterday, Friday, the 1st of February, and the deadline for the DCP was Thursday, the 1st. But that deadline wasn't set till December, and right. for a conference, right. you've got to start planning way ahead of that. They had no just... idea. So it was kind of the setting, I have to tell you, uh, it was over Black Canyon Highway uh, in a conference room, packed. Um, you know, you look at, Romy, the, just the diversity of what goes into making planning for our water. Um, so everybody was in a really good mood because the legislation was approved um, Thursday. However... There is still a lot of work to do. So there's still um, kind of a new deadline of March 4th with the governors from all seven states that are involved in the lower basin have to come up with, you know, signing and, and agreeing. And Can you name all seven? I can. Can you? Uh, I think so. California, Arizona, Nevada. That's the lower basin. And then you've got uh, the, the other four would be Utah. Colorado, New Mexico, and Wyoming. Very good. Very good. And mix the tribal lands in there as well. So um, all these people have to to come up with an agreement. But everybody seemed pretty confident. You know, that can be a pretty contentious topic. You've got, think of the diversity. You've got people in agriculture. You've got homeowners. You've got builders. You have um, conservationists. And, it, you know, and then you have all that mixed together. Plus, you have all the different topographies we have. We have mountains and the arid deserts. And then the different sources. We have the Colorado River. We have groundwater. We have surface water. And so, you know, each area. So yesterday was basically a bunch of panels. And so the different areas would present the dilemmas they had. And it was all about the solutions. So these are the dilemmas we have. What are the solutions? And within each district, there'd be differences, you know, of recreational land, mining land, homeowners, and so they had to come up with solutions. A lot of the solutions had to do with, um, you know, uh, affluent, wa- affluent waters, you know, taking the sewage and turning it into drinking water. That was a big solution. A lot of it's really hard to think about, isn't it? And well, especially <laughs> when you read the uh, article uh, in today's Republic about the amount of opioids that they found in the city of Tempe sewage. 
uh, I'm guessing from 40,000 students at college campus, it ends up with a lot of things in the water. You, you know, I, I don't know if they're purifying that out when they're taking it back to drinking water. I'm sure they are, but I, I Well, the good thing is the Water Resource Research Center <laughs> is right out of um, U of A, and U of A is one of the top 35 universities in the country that does research, so they can they can figure that all out for us. You know, Payson, for instance. I don't is, really <laughs> want that to be the solution, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's here, baby. Uh, you know, you think about the area of Payson, it's pretty much landlocked, this little island up there, and he, they were talking about the fact that up till you know recently, they have not been able to. It's been a full growth. There have been no limitations. If you wanted to move there, you could. So how do you solve this water dilemma? And one of the ways they have worked on is that the groundwater was contaminated by a, a um, dry cleaner. So they've cleaned that up. So just all the different things that have to go into to cleaning up. It was really fascinating. And really, really, the cool thing was with all these different di- um, dynamics, the the spirit in the room was just let's get this done. You know, we had ranchers, agriculture was represented as well. Ag, as you know, takes up 72% of the water in our state. But they, they are also very responsible. As a matter of fact, Sina Kerr, who's our senator, uh, one of our senators, um, state senator, Arizona Farm Bureau and Kerr Dairy, um, she's actually presented some different legislation to help. And that would be cleaning up the salt cedar in some of these washes. Like Gila River, you know, is miles and miles of salt cedar, which is not natural to our climate and is soaking up all kinds of water. So that was one solution is, you know, getting the water back where it belongs. Sierra Vista has some amazing, um, innovative things they have done to preserve the San Pedro, including um, digging basins. Well, they declared a lot of conservation area, and then they dig these basins and fill it with river rock to slow down the flow of water. So when it does rain, they capture it and it stays in the area. So it it was just a fascinating day, really was. You know, an interesting article that was also in Today's Republic was the engineering feat that brought the Colorado River to the valley, written by Paul Messinger. And I want to reach out to him and, and find more because there was an alternate to the CAP that did not get approved. But when you think about it, it sounded like a smarter plan. So the CAP pumps water from the Colorado out of Parker. It's got to, because that, right, it's lower elevation than Phoenix and Tucson that the CAP provides water to. So, and if I remember right, a, a friend from church that works for the CAP and has offered to take me to the pumping station. It just never worked out. From what I understand, it's like 400 feet up that they have to pump the water out into the, the canal to start the natural gravity flow downhill. Well, an alternate plan would have taken the water out of uh, above the dam at the Grand Canyon, which is above elevation and would have naturally flowed downhill, and they would have dumped it into the Verde River, which would have then uh, just supplied the natural river flow, and then it would have been pumped out of the dams. That, uh, you've got Bartlett, you've got uh, that flows into the salt, and you've got all those dams. It would have created more hydropower because of the more dams could have been built to produce power, but now, but instead we've got this power-producing power consuming pump to get the water up to the canal and down so i'd love to know why that one was switched over the other because when you hear it the alternate plan sounded smarter and a lot of the solutions had to do with environment and preservation of species and stuff so you never know we'd have to do some more research and and i think it's probably got to do with reservation land oh that when you look at the path cap as far as i know doesn't come across in reservation land 
out of the Grand Canyon and through Coconino down into the Verde, I think you would have had to go through reservation land. That's probably the reason, but I'd love to dig into that more. Hey, Gary, you were out of the office a little bit this week. Were you the lucky bidder? For what? Randy Johnson's home went for $7.3 million. Started at $25 million, right? Started at twenty-five. What a deal, but no, it wasn't me. Yeah, I tried. You know, the 100000 you had to put down to be a bidder, I, I, I just came up a little short getting that down payment to get a seat at the table. <laughs> uh, there are bidders and then the bidder, that the people that bid but didn't win the house. So that's... Well, it's they're going to need it because you want to know what the property taxes is like that. Oh, you, yeah. you may have gotten it for fourteen million less than asking price. That, that's going to be gone in about two years of maintenance of property tax and electric bills. <laughs> but whatever you're showing in that movie like theater, I'd love an invite. <laughs> <laughs> I, I missed what Gary said. I, I said the movie theater that's in the house. I'd oh. love an invite to whatever you're showing. Oh, so, there you go. Yeah. Well, well, hey, let's get a, a invitation and go watch the documentary. Uh, it was the deadliest yeah, shootout. Absolutely. And yeah, Mom, it's just like buying a horse. Cheap parts <laughs> buying a horse. <laughs> All right, let's get to Garth moving to Arizona from Fort Worth to Actually, Chandler. That's, that's Gareth. Gareth. There is an E in there. Yes. Welcome, Gareth. Yes. Hi, how are you? Welcome to Arizona. What brings you here? Well, I'm actually leaving Arizona. Oh, um, I, I, yeah, I'm moving from Chandler to Fort Worth. Yeah, it backwards there. Gotcha. But um, yeah, I've been listening to your show ever since I was going to college up in Prescott Valley. So, um, oh, well, we appreciate I, that. I was wondering, I was just wondering today. You know, I've never purchased a newly built house, and so I was wondering if you knew some things to look for. Um, it's basically the same kind of stuff you'd see in Phoenix, so it's a thick and stucco house. I've been to it. I've been inside of it, but um, all of the houses I've bought before have been previously owned and usually well-lived in, and the owners know what's wrong with them or what needs to be fixed. And so I was just curious if you could give me some advice on that. Is the home already yeah. built or is it in the process yeah. of being built? Nope, it's fully constructed right now. Okay. And... The builder has a good reputation? Yes, they do. Yeah. New home, buying a new home, um, there's a, I'm sure you've, you've bought them before, you're familiar with the home inspection process, and a lot of home inspectors yep. will work with homeowners to inspect the home during construction. Obviously, we missed that opportunity to be yep. there, um, but that, that's okay. We've still got a, a new home. Uh, it hasn't been moved in, so a home inspector isn't going to be going over a lot of other people's furniture and inspecting aged equipment and looking for troubled things. You're you're in a great position to save a lot of money if you plan on being there the next 20, 30 years so that at the time you have to repair the air conditioning unit, you have to repair the roof, your window seal needs to be uh, your windows need to be replaced because the seals are busted. You, we've got a good period of time of saving, and I would really encourage that. What to look for in the new home? You know, a good home inspector is going to find things. You, we just want to make sure everything was done to, to code. I'm sure Texas has a similar building structure uh, 
to Arizona where the city comes out and inspects at certain points and they're looking for code violations and to make sure everything's uh, being built according to national building code. Uh, people make mistakes. Sometimes they're missed. But yeah, a lot of times in a new home, what I'm looking for more than anything, Gar Gareth, is what was the home constructed of? Was it a stick home or masonry home? I'm always going to look for a masonry home when we're talking about maintenance and preventative maintenance. You know, how many things in masonry still exist today? You don't see, um, you know, we've got the ruins at Casa Grande. You've got the pyramids. You've got, you know, Rome. All the building styles and techniques from the old world were done in masonry. I'm always going to look for masonry for long-term building solutions. Uh, what was... The roof, was it a 30-year roof or a 50-year roof? That's going to determine how we save. If we're saving for a 50-year roof, well, we can stretch out how much, how little we're putting aside each month. If we've got to replace that in a shorter window, we've obviously got to put more aside. Um, what kind of warranty is the builder? A lot of them, I don't know the Texas rules, but in Arizona, you've got to have two-year warranty on everything. A lot of builders increase that and bring it up to five bring it up to ten find out what it excludes a, a five-year warranty on what it may be on this but not that especially when we're looking at appliances and our mechanical options uh something that you could get into very affordably at the beginning process of a new home is equipment breakage insurance you don't have um we're not big home warranty proponents uh because of the way a lot of home warranties decide who does work on your home. Uh, and a lot of those people that do that work are on commission base, so they're incentivized to find problems or upsell you on things you may not need yet. But equipment breakage insurance is exactly that. When your equipment breaks, you've got insurance you can use to then and have it replaced with a contractor of your choice. And because you're going in on all new equipment, I, you, you may be at 30 bucks a month as opposed to older equipment you might be at 60 bucks a month so you could you you could look at that as part of ways that you can be prepared in 20 years to replace that equipment that's something to look at I'm I, more often than not in fact 99% of the time I'm not in somebody that will say insurance or extra warranties but that equipment breakage coverage I think for a lot of people is a very smart investment phone problem there we got it fixed so if you tried to call in and got a busy signal we got the lines unlocked i don't know what i hit but it's one 767 that's one rosie for you has anyone you know when we're when we're live on the air i don't see uh a lot of news and during the news breaks of the stations i don't hear the news either because uh the way we syndicate this show through skyview it's, uh, it's Cajun music. That way, all the engineers at each of the station know that uh, we're still connected, but they don't accidentally get the wrong station news on air. And we turn the TVs off in studio so we're not distracted. <laughs> What'd the rodents say? Isn't it Groundhog's oh, Day? Oh, that's right. Ah. Let's, let's find out. So is it early spring or more winter forecast? Stop the music. Here is my forecast. Faithful followers... 
There is no shadow of me. A beautiful spring it shall be. Oh, everybody in the Midwest deserves a beautiful spring. Jeez. I don't think they're buying it right now, though. Yeah. We'll find out how accurate it is this year. Let's put an asterisk by that. The the rodents only uh, correct 40% of the time. So, shoot. He's below average. And wouldn't you also have to say that the interpretation of the person from the, what the rodent is saying uh, could be wrong, too? How, how the heck do they know? Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> unless this guy in the top hat's really nuts you know, or lonely, one or the other. Now, but, if I cared, I would find out how that tradition got started and what they're seeing and all that. But does it, does it really matter? <laughs> You know, it just and it's it, cute. It's, it's a funny movie. It, it's probably now one of my favorite films of all time. Just watch Groundhog Day. Watch the movie and just laugh, laugh, laugh. There, there are plenty of those in that. It's it is a good movie. I missed this uh, earlier. I meant to mention in our outdoor living hour, but we had so much content, I blew right through it. The Mesa East Valley Rose Society auction is going on today. Perfect time, right ahead of Valentine's Day. And I talked to uh, talked to Ryan yesterday to help uh, answer a question Barry had written in about having rose bushes at over six feet tall. They've grown to about six feet in height. The problem is they become very stocky on the bottom half. They're very leafy. The flowers are on top. If I trim them down a third or a half to current height, will it force out uh, new growth? And the answer is yes, and the rose blooms on the new growth. So that's exactly what you would do to bring the bushes and the flowers back to the bottom portion. Um, he also, Ryan also said, uh, take down anything that's smaller than a pencil. Go ahead and trim that off. And the sooner you do the trimming, the faster you'll have blooms. You want to make that cut at a 45-degree angle above the bud eye. And you can get out to the Mesa Community College today. The auction, it opens at 10. The auction starts at 11. And if you mention Rosie, they have a discounted price for you today. So there's a one option to getting locally grown, or some of them aren't even local. I don't think they've got all kinds of exotic roses that they auction off uh, just in time for Valentine's Day. Monrovia also had a neat uh, publication, an alternate plant you could uh, use for different Valentine's Day gifts. Whether you know might not be a spouse that you're giving it to, might be a parent or a sibling. Mm. The different types of plants you could give. and all the different places you could buy that. So big, big grower. Most of our local nurseries have uh, Monrovia plants in their gardens somewhere. We also learned that it's not only called Valentine's Day, it's called Galentine's Day. <laughs> oh, how hip. <laughs> yeah, I, that was something new that came across the desk last week. I haven't really looked <laughs> into it, but Valentine's Day, I, I'm assuming that's because it's more for the women anyway, Galentine's Day. <laughs> You can find details to the Mesa Rose Auction at rosieonthehouse.com in our events tab, along with uh, other great events. Next weekend is the 51st annual Wickenburg Gold Rush Days. We caught some slack from listeners last week when we were talking about different parades and festivals. We did? That Gold Rush didn't get mentioned. We didn't mention Wickenburg Gold Rush Days. I think we did. I don't know. I didn't re-listen to the podcast. (laughs) It's one of those things we probably mentioned it enough we thought we did. A lot of these other events and festivals were ones we hadn't mentioned before. And it wasn't our list. Remember, we, that was a debate. Right. Like, who gets to deci- decide which of the top, that top of the top, whoever makes the list. Mm-hmm. And next, uh, or this coming, or next Saturday, I'm going to get my confused here, uh, Parada del Sol Rodeo. Which, by the way, I do have proof 
there has been a cattle drive at the Parada del Sol in the 60-plus years they've had it. Okay. It's a black and white photo that I found in the Historical Society page in Scottsdale. And um, uh, you got, I don't think they're longhorn cattle, but there they are just marching through Old Town. <laughs> So, um, and our right now at RosieOnTheHouse.com, if you enter the staycation, you the destination is Wickenburg for the month of March. But the Gold Rush Days is next weekend. It's a nice short drive from Phoenix, a nice little western town. They've done a good job with putting uh, mannequins along different parts of the downtown area. And you hit a button, and it's Marshall Trimble explaining, you know, why this person's chained to this tree. They've got the jail tree because— they didn't have a jail, so they used to just get chained to this big mesquite tree and uh, a miner walking down the street with a mule. So you could hit the little button and the little marshal give you a little history about it in the downtown area. Back to home improvement, one 767 4348 That's one rosie for you. I was supposed to give away our tickets last break. I completely blew through it. Um, what was the trivia question from the newsletter? Who has their newsletter handy? This one was actually specifically uh, for uh, the trivia, and it's in our, you know what? It's in our calendar that you have right there. Uh, Grand Canyon National Park was founded when? If you know the answer to that question, you have to have month and date. It's in our home maintenance calendar. If you don't have a physical copy, you can look it up online at rosieonthehouse.com. Under Home Improvement Resources, select Calendar, click on February, and it'll give you a nice blown-up PDF version. And you can see when Grand Canyon National Park was founded. All right answers can text that to 411-923. And what do they win? Uh, State park passes. Two. Okay. Two state park passes. They're good from now through the end of the year to any one of Arizona's 35 state parks. I apologize. We put it in the newsletter. It's at 920, and I... Blew right through it. Let's get to our weekly how-to. It's past. If you look at the home maintenance calendar, you'll see on the bottom portion, this is the month to do what around your house. And we're going to start with pest control here for, uh, you know, uh, going into the warmer months, especially with the amount of rain that we have had here in the state of Arizona, the amount of weeds that uh, my goats are rapidly eating as fast as I move their <laughs> pen from one one to the next. It r- creates a great breeding environment for bugs and insects and rodents and fill in the blank. So the more we can do now to clean up our yards, clean up debris, clean up weeds, the better the bug control will be coming up uh, in the coming months, if you've got weekly bug service, uh, that's great. But it's kind of like spraying your trees for olives. If you spray your trees for olives to prevent olive production, the first thing you do is trim the olive tree so you use less product and less chemical, and that's cheaper that way. So if you clean up your yard, get your weeds removed, clean up trash piles, eliminate environments and habitats that breed uh, insect and bug growth, the less we have to apply and treat for later. We've also got a lot of things inside the home, bed bugs, uh, dust mites, roaches, crickets that live inside the home, keeping the inside of our homes clean, keeping food picked up and clean, those Laundry beautiful <laughs> areas that uh, behind the refrigerator, uh, underneath the laundry room that just 
collect that is out of our uh, normal working and uh, and reach, getting those areas picked up and clean, help contribute to less insect. The less we can have for them to live on, the less there will be. Just making sure your thresholds have the little, what do you call those? Go across the, just the threshold cover so things can't, because they can get in, those little critters can get in just nothing. And cr- aren't crickets food for scorpions? Yes. Yeah, so you don't want crickets. They may seem harmless. And one funny thing that we've seen is uh, Nathan Wolf from Blue Sky Pest Control was saying when we had him on air a couple, oh gosh, this has been a little while ago, but he said one of the things that we're finding now is if we're treating for spiders, we start seeing all the little insects that spiders eat show up. And those are a different type and a different exoskeleton. So what they use to treat for spiders doesn't eliminate what spiders live on either. So it's, uh, and so much of the chemicals they use nowadays are less harmful than table salt. Wow. With the demand for environmentally friendly and uh, the reduction of hazardous chemicals, much of what they're applying is less, uh, (laughs) is, is table salt is, uh, a bigger threat. Well, Blue Sky is really good about when they come, they ask you what you've seen so they can be sure and treat in the right direction. Which is hard because what you see uh, is can be subjective in translation. <laughs> <laughs> Try and grab a picture. Pictures yeah. help. True. If you're brave enough to get close enough to take one. Mm. Salt rifle? Salt you rifle. Know little, you know the little... Uh, a uh, gun that you can put a table salt in and shoot flies with. <laughs> Julia has one and says they work great. I said, well, doesn't that create a lot of salt? She's like, you would think so, but uh, it must shoot it fast enough that the salt just disintegrates into powder. She says, I'm, I'm never sweeping up salt, but we use it for uh, insect control. But I will say they're in Minnesota, and right now there's absolutely no insects anywhere, so they probably use it yeah. one-fifth of the time uh, we would have to use it. And when we get into the summer months, uh, one one-hundredth of the time we would have to use it. Gary, you had a story about Sedona and the housing situation that's yeah. happening there. Um, this is something I just uh, caught up with uh, this past week. Uh, there seems to be a little bit of a problem in Sedona that is locals versus visitors. Now, of course, uh, you know people from around the world come to visit Sedona, but the problem they're having is affordable housing, even for folks that want to move to Sedona and live there and bring their kids and go to school and whatnot. And the problem is they seem to have more short-term rentals than regular homeowners in Sedona. What that leads to is, uh, well, for Airbnb and Verbo, if you want to rent a a house for the week and whatnot, um, that's led to a housing shortage. Because they make more money turning it to an Airbnb than selling it. Correct. Right. And, you know, it... uh, if you want to live and uh, even retire in Sedona and become a Sedona citizen or live in the town, it's uh, the housing starting to get very thin. And the there's no restrictions on Airbnb. There was some legislature that passed within the last year that eliminated, that lifted a ban, or it created, it didn't let municipalities put a ban right, on right. people. And doing Sedona that initially, the the city council did put a ban on those, but then the governor signed a, uh, a, a into law that uh, no, you can't do that. So, it's an interesting case in Sedona. I, I'm still reading up on it, but I would have never thought. And I guess depending on the size of the town, that short term rentals would take over 
yeah. regular homeowners. So, yeah. Just one more thing that we deal with with our housing situation here. It's, you know, just the evolution of homeownership and government and politics here at Arizona. And that's what we spend the open line hour here at Rosie on the House covering, along with your questions at one 767 If you said February 26, 1919 was the day that Grand Canyon National Park was formed, you were correct. We will pull a random uh, winner from everyone that answered correctly and send you with our state park passes. Next week, our promotions team will be in Tucson, the Team Lizzie Bell. This is a really interesting story that uh, this home was in ABC's Extreme Makeover in 2009. So this is the 10-year anniversary and was one of the homes that were first into the uh, LED, uh, not LED, sustainability. L-E-E-D. Oh, yeah, you go. Lead mm-hmm. <laughs> sustainability and design, and it was all done for uh, a girl that kidney disease. Kidney disease, and um, so the the extreme makeover went all over the country and picked one house from each state. And Lizzie's house won for this. They, of course, were all tied up and trying to keep her well. So it was, um, they, they won the opportunity to have their house redone. And it just has amazing features. And after 10 years, it's still holding up well. So we're going to be featuring that. But also, they're having a blood drive at the home next weekend. So you can go see the home plus um, give your blood. You can find that event at rosieonthehouse.com. And when you get there, you can look for our Sanderson Ford Transit wrapped with Rosie on the House. And you can pick up your home maintenance calendar there if you're not on the mailing list. We also have brand new uh, updated pamphlets for the Arizona State Parks that uh, we'll have in the trans along with any promotional uh, state park passes and you know whatever we've got put together for that weekend's promotional giveaway. A neat event coming up that uh, supports one of our other nonprofits, Habitat for Humanity, CAZ, is their Blueprints and Blue Jeans fundraiser, a big fundraiser they do annually. And this, they always, uh, Friday night, 6 to Nobody 9 o'clock, appreciates downtown our Friday Phoenix. Nights. Uh, <laughs> you know, no. <laughs> and, and one of our favorite bands from, from Louisiana, from the homestead, Beau Soleil was playing at the MIM last night. Ah. Uh. We would be everywhere if it was not oh. if it was on Saturday night instead of Friday. Oh man, we could, yeah, we'd be out and about. And I, I gotta wonder what kind of uh, fo- I would never think Beausoleil would have yeah a following in Arizona, but every time they play there, it sells out. People a, know good music. Yeah, <laughs> they do. They they're figuring it out. So it's nice to see uh, uh, Beausoleil fans in Arizona. The Cajun ins and outs that you hear Gary play and a lot of those are from Beausoleil so you you may not know their music but you've heard it if you've listened to this broadcast but uh, at the Blueprints Blue Jeans this is Friday March 29th guest speaker Jerry Colangelo we got to see him at Grand Canyon University for the Thrive Conference last year I, he was the best speaker that day and he has said something in that uh, in his speech that I use regularly you tell know, me the opportunity is in adversity you know, just mm-hmm. how to look at a challenge or a, what a lot of people see as a problem you know th- those aren't problems that's where opportunity is opportunity is adversity and that's changed how i look at a lot of things so 
very, very interesting story there. Of course, yeah. that is, unless you don't call pass interference. So, uh, <laughs> well, I know that was a huge opportunity for Los Angeles uh, <laughs> yeah, Rams. Sure was. <laughs> Not the ones we wanted, but okay. Well, I know Rosie sees this, this last event in our lives as opportunities. He said, Not many people get a chance to second chance. And Absolutely. He's, he's got his eyes open for what, you know, what God's got for him for this, for going forward. And he's doing great. I asked him he if he wanted us to say anything specific or when we give his update for his condition. And he said, no, I'm just let him know I'm getting stronger every day and I'm, I'll be back soon. Yeah. Our walks are getting longer. Love having my guy with me on my walks. Man, did I miss that. 90, 93 days from the time he left to go on a little, uh, little adventure. ATV ride in the desert to uh, getting home from uh, having to be air vac to Scottsdale Osborne, spent time at St. Joe's and then uh, mm -hmm. a Banner Health Rehab Center for a couple weeks and, and home now and uh, been to the office a few times. Mm -hmm. he, he told me his goal. Oh. Uh, which is Tom's Thumb by Memorial Day. I think he's going to make it. Tom's Thumb hike by Memorial Day. <laughs> and he's sending me emails, one that I didn't get to because we had such a packed 7 o'clock hour. Uh, and this is saved. This is Arizona Tourism. But he, he asked me to say it, so I'm, I'm going to throw it in here to open line hour. Castle Hot Springs opens this weekend. They have revitalized that uh, resort. It's a very historic resort in Arizona. It's north of Lake Pleasant. If you've never heard about it, you can go to CastleHotSprings.com. Chopper, uh, Chopper guy, Bruce Hafner. Is that his name? Yeah. Bruce, Bruce Hafner. Hafner. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you go to the Chopper guy is his social media account. He put together a video that was very nice. And looking at it, we had the opportunity to go there 20 years ago when it was abandoned and the last owner was looking at having it revitalized and was looking at hiring dad to do the work. And we got to spend a weekend out there and swim in all well, the that being said, hot tubs. That being said, that is my only beef with the, with the new setup is you can only get in there if you can afford $1,000 plus a night. And there's no tours. There's no way to get in to see this historic thing. So I'm hoping that we can convince them that this is something they should open once a year for a tour so people can come in and enjoy it as well. But right now, unless you got the big bucks, you ain't going to see it mm. unless you look at that video. And looking at that video from what I remember being there years ago, I don't know what they put into this, but it's it's high double-digit millions. I don't know if it's into the triple, but, I mean, they put some serious money into this place. And it really, place. It, it really looks spectacular. Um, people, uh, JFK, after his PT boat days, went – and relax in the hot springs. Papa Rosie. <laughs> uh, Papa Rosie, my grandfather. <laughs> Got dad's a good picture dad. of him. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other. Clark Gable. I mean, it, very iconic uh, resort. Setting. And just north of Lake Pleasant, right here in Arizona. Coming up next, talking plumbing, water heaters. We've got Stampede Plumbing standing outside the studio. If you've got a plumbing question and want to talk to a plumbing expert, one 767 4348 